Climate Generation, and you're listening to Band Together, a podcast that explores the power of music and storytelling in the climate movement. This month, I had the pleasure of talking with Laserbeak, a musician and producer known for his solo work, as well as his role in the Doomtree Collective. This month, we talked about mental health, mindfulness, and talking about climate change for the first time. We'll also hear from Kristen Poppleton, Director of Programs at Climate Generation, about some of the most important actions we can all take to make an impact. Before we jump in, I want to introduce a segment we're calling Our Current Climate to give a few quick highlights on some of the most important news happening in the climate world right now. This month, it's January 2020, and we've all likely been following the horribly destructive wildfires in Australia. It's almost impossible to miss it on the news. Studies have shown that extreme weather events increased concern about climate change, and it seems Australia's wildfires are having a similar effect. Not so far away, Indonesia is actually seeing the opposite, with flash floods and landslides causing damage to infrastructure and harm to people in the nation's capital. For all you YouTube video surfers, did you know that YouTube is spreading climate misinformation? One of our favorite climate news sources, Heated, recently shared findings of a study done by Avaz that showed that for searches for the term global warming, for example, 16% of the top 100 related videos contained misinformation about climate change. Overall, YouTube has likely facilitated hundreds of millions of views of climate misinformation videos. In music news, the band Coldplay have put plans to tour their new album on hold, citing concerns over the environmental impact of their concerts. They're taking time over the next year or two to work out how their tour can not only be sustainable, but how it can be actively beneficial. For some good news, one thing we're feeling inspired by this month is New Zealand's effort to take on not only the teaching of climate change, but the mental health impacts as well. The country is dealing with the climate crisis by including in every school materials about the climate crisis written by the country's leading science agencies, including a tool for students to plan their own activism and to process their feelings of eco-anxiety over global warming. To leave you on an inspirational note, I wanted to share an article that we've felt inspired by. This goes out to Eric Holthaus of The Correspondent for his article called, In 2030, We Ended the Climate Emergency. Here's how. We know that climate change can be daunting, and so it's even more important that we bring our visions of what the future can look like to life. Eric's words not only paint a picture, but give us that vision of hope and an outward look towards the future we all want to see. And now on to our episode. Laserbeak is a Minneapolis-based producer and musician. You may know his most recent solo album, Luther, or his work with the Doomtree Collective. Laserbeak performed at Climate Generation's Band Together concert in Minneapolis back in November 2019, where he told his climate story for the first time. I am Laserbeak, and I am really, really, really happy to be here. All that to say that, you know, when Climate Generation asked me to share my personal climate story, uh, I super freaked the f*** out because... I just assumed that there was no possible way I had one. I know that social media is like a total um, double-edged sword, right? It's a gift and a curse. But one of the things I really appreciate about it is that I get to see real-life personal stories from all over the world. And I am seeing now how climate change is truly affecting people everywhere. Um, I'm seeing the personal stories, and that's allowing me to feel empathy and to realize that This world is bigger than me. And I think that my story right now is just that I'm here, I'm waking up, 
um, to these critical issues facing us all, and I'm kind of groggy from like a full 37 years of apathy. Um, and I, I want to learn, and I want to change. I'm so excited to welcome him and had a great time chatting, so please enjoy Laserbee. So I'm really excited to welcome you to our podcast. And, Thank you so much. Um, as our first guest on first our first guest. episode. I know, I mean, that's a notch on the belt for me. I yeah. feel really good about that. Um, <laughs> so I first got to meet you at our Band Together concert that happened back in November, Yes. Um, where you performed and then also shared a bit about your climate change story. Um, yeah. And I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Oh man, so Explore that a little yeah, bit Yeah, yeah, yeah. That event was a kind of eye-opener for me, so this is cool to continue the conversation. You're based in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. um, and did you grow up here? I'm born and raised, yeah. I grew up in Hopkins, which is like 20 minutes outside of the Mm -hmm. cities. Moved to South Minneapolis as soon as I could, and then have been here ever since. So I'm a lifer. I have a bunch of kids now, and I'm not going anywhere, even though it's every winter, it's very tempting. Yes. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. (laughs) Do you feel like um, growing up in Minnesota has influenced your music? Um, I do think that I'm strangely obsessed with like nature but more from like a, a couch sitting um netflix watching view <laughs> you know like i never i really did not have much, i was never like a nature kid definitely like a city kid like our family did not for lack of trying but we did not do well like camping or going on any of those like we did great in hotels with like pools in them um and so i never got that but i always loved watching like um the planet earth documentaries or whatever um and so, and then being here where there's so much space um, and we're close to the Mississippi River, I've kind of like mythologized a lot of those things in my mind. Um, so yeah, I think that. And so when I, when I did write lyrics for a band or for a solo project, that kind of seeped in, like singing about mountains and rivers and things like that, like kind of back to basic stuff. So yeah, strangely, I do think that kind of influenced me. Mm-hmm. What currently like makes you geek out? Mm. What do you what do you love outside uh, of? That's a great question. I love. Oh god, this is so boring. I'm just like <laughs> I love shows. I love HBO shows. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like floored. I mean, it's the end of the year, and so I'm doing my whole like, oh, what were my favorite things this year? Mm-hmm. And like every show that HBO put out, I'm just floored. It's like masterful. I didn't know what they do after Game of Thrones, and then yeah. they put out like. Succession and Righteous Gemstones and Chernobyl and um, I could go on, but yeah. so I geek out about like movies and shows because that I, that's still like an art form that I haven't dove into. So mm-hmm. it does really feel like a different world, and I don't know how they pull it off, and I really like that. Whereas music, I kind of have seen behind the curtain, mm-hmm. so it's like when I hear the right album, I'm still just floored. Like the new Carly Rae Jepsen album <laughs> is album of the year for me. It doesn't okay. hurt that, like, my whole family enjoys it. And when I took my daughter to see her. But, um, you know, so I still get, like, totally rocked by new music. Yeah. But um, shows and movies, like, that whole scene blows my mind. And I guess I also really, this year, geeked out on, like, just mental health and mm-hmm. ways to, um, to just help calm the noise and the anxiety and things like that. So I've been, the last three years, I've kind of been on, like, a... A personal journey of like learning about meditation and wellness and mindfulness and things like that um gratitude journals and just Mm -hmm. things to like um center myself to make me a better person so that I can be a better person to other people and um so I I geek out on that yeah anyways I geek out on a lot of shit no I I, I definitely see a lot of connections especially with mindfulness yeah something that we talk about a lot 
in our office at Climate Generation is working on climate change, you know, regardless of how you're doing it, people outside of our, our office too is really, can be really difficult sometimes yeah. and like feel really heavy. And yeah, it's um, a big problem that you can't solve by yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and so being intentional about mental health and mindfulness, making sure that, you know, each one of our staff as a, a human feels yes. like fulfilled and feels healthy and like ready to do yeah. this work is so important. And that's not always talked about a lot. Of no, people, it's especially not. In organizing. It's not. And I think it, I think it's starting to slowly, like, I feel like the whole, you know, Western side of the world is, is learning more and opening up more mm-hmm. about that. And no matter what your job is, but yeah, especially in a, a job like, like being an organizer, um, or with, I mean, or, music Yeah, music, too. but, like, it's these like, aren't, like, so set. Yeah, they're not, like, you clock in and you clock out and you leave everything mm-hmm. at work. Like, you're constantly thinking about it. And that drive is amazing, but it can also be kind of um, detrimental when you don't take care of yourself yeah. in the process. And I know, like, just a lot of social activists and stuff like that, that's a big talking point just because you can, you're so passionate, but you can, if you get burned out, how can you be a leader for the people you're trying to, you know, when you're trying to mobilize and things mm-hmm. like that? So, yeah, I fully support anyone who's trying to take a step back and just breathe and um, take care of themselves in order to be a better um, person for others. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. Do you think a lot of um, musicians or people in that world experience burnout? I feel like that's not something that's always talked about. It's not talked about. Honestly, like, I, I feel like everyone that is in the artistic realm. I mean, everybody in the entire world experiences this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, we just haven't really talked about it a ton up until the last, I don't know, decade. And now it feels like there's kind of this uh, awakening, but um, especially in the arts where there isn't, like we talked about, there isn't like a set. If you're, if you're being an artist for a living, there's no set hours, there's no set paycheck, there's no stability. And then on top of that, there's, I talk about this a lot with younger um, artists, is that like, you don't just make the music, that's almost like the least of it. Mm-hmm. It's after you make the music, how are you promoting it? Like social media, making music videos, you're, you're kind of forced to be all these roles that used to be handled by record labels or publicists or whatever. Now you have to be all of those things and also still be a creative person. Yeah. And in that, so there's burnout because you're now doing like 15 jobs right. outside of trying to make art um, that you that you believe in. But then we're constantly on our phones like seeing only the best sides of what people show us and we're showing only the best sides of ourselves. Um, and that same goes for me. Like if I, I actually look at my Instagram when I'm super bummed out so I can remember the good times, yeah, you know, because I only totally. post good stuff. I don't post when I'm like, super depressed or you know like going through a midlife crisis um but seeing that constantly forces like it it makes the um the competition and the comparing ourselves to others it heightens it so much that anytime you see someone doing good the, the instinct is to feel really really awful about yourself and i hate that so i'm just trying really hard to talk about that and i started I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but I started a podcast also. Yeah. I don't, I don't really like, I don't really listen to podcasts. I won't say I don't really <laughs> like podcasts. I just don't, I've never been able to really jump into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then starting that and interviewing other artists, the, really the, the key, like, um, principle that it revolves around is talking to artists openly and honestly about yeah. the, the, the struggles and the trials that you go through. And, and, you know, you'd be surprised that even, the biggest artists are dealing with this stuff sometimes at a, at a level 
much higher than anybody else, you know, but when you're making money or when you're famous, it's supposed to be all good. Like everyone is freaking out about their shit at all times. Everyone is self-conscious and insecure and has a fragile ego. And like, I just feel like if you're even remotely involved in the arts, those things are just inherently true. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing, but we can't, um, we can't just pretend like that's not there. Mm -hmm. So I really, I like digging deeper and and having those community, like those conversations Mm -hmm. Because I always feel less alone at the end of them. And the more we can be vocal about what we're honestly going through instead of just portraying this thing for other people, I think the better it is for everybody. So that's part of my, like, I don't know if mission is the word, but I I really, I believe strongly in that. I think only positive things can come when we're open and honest and and talking. Absolutely. And I I think the more that people see examples of other artists or other people talking about these issues and talking about challenges that they've faced and, you know, how they're working through those is just opens it up for more people yeah. to join the conversation. And it's that's the idea. That just, first step. I feel like as long as you can start to like pull down some of these barriers and, and realize that we're all in this together, everything gets easier. And a lot of the, the made up stresses and traumas kind of melt. Um, and you're left with just kind of truth and compassion but I do, you know, I really, like, I romanticize that because I think that's so, it's it's one of those few things that I don't see a downside in at all. I really think it's just, it's positive for everybody. I found that, at least recently, as, as we've been doing more work thinking about climate change and art and music, that a lot of social movements feel really inspired by music or specific yes. pieces. And, um, you know, a lot can grow out of that and even thinking about protest songs and like chants that people use in protest taking those from popular songs and changing lyrics to totally 100% there's emotion that you can get that is unlike any other thing in the world to me like you know a good song can convey a billion different feelings in three notes um, and sometimes without lyrics Um, and that has always been fascinating to me And and it's like magic kind of and I think that's the same for a lot of different art forms and art in general. But like, that's, I think, at least what I'm always striving for is like finding that magic that can p- bring people together. And I love the idea of using music as a jumping off point to actually have a deeper conversation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. And I think we've seen a lot of examples of artists and other people who have a lot of, you know, social influencers, a social platform um, come out recently being more vocal about some yeah. of these issues, um, not just climate change, but others totally. as well. Are there any examples of artists that you've felt mm, That I felt like recently? that? I mean, honestly, on a on a local level, um, a friend of mine, Andrew Broder, who's, who's been in the music scene longer than I can even remember and has played in groups like Fog and Clocox and um, produced for a lot of people, he's inspired me because he started a yearly residency um, at the Turf Club and every before, you know, four nights out of the month of January. And it'd be one, like an incredible selection of, of local talent playing each night. Um, but also there would be a different, um, couple different causes that they'd be raising money for each time. And then there would be actually that social element worked into the show, whether that was like showing a, a video before a band played of like, you know, the, um, the tent city basically that we had not far from here mm-hmm. last winter and really getting in there and, and exposing some things like that or you know, talking about race relations, especially in our community here in Minnesota, um, that was like, 
uh, really eye opening to me that like you can merge these things without being preachy. Because I know I know this the second I feel I'm being preached to, I tend to kind of shut down. Yeah. And so I'm always really like that's the big thing I'm trying to avoid. Like how can you how can you talk about it and show it without feeling like you know higher than the rest or or preaching people or looking down on people. I thought he did a really good job of that and that inspired me as just a friend and a kind of a comrade in this in this scene to feel like strength from that. Like I can do that too or you know realize that even if it's a small platform it's still a platform. So I'm trying to like get more confidence in knowing that I don't have to be Beyonce to still talk <laughs> about things and make an impact yeah. um, and it doesn't matter the size of that impact because it will always grow mm-hmm. you know yeah I think that's spot on and um, you know we don't need we don't need people to wait until they know that they can do it perfectly to take action but we need yeah. everyone to start taking action yeah and I do think like just being I'm trying to go about all these things whether it's like me opening up about mental health or me talking about climate change or I'm just trying to be as honest with that platform when I don't like I don't have the answers I don't necessarily even know all the facts I just know what I feel and I know kind of what I am rooted in and so I'm happy to be the guy that just raises his hand with a million questions as long as that informs me and hopefully other people. I think that's so important to like make sure that people know that too is that you don't have to know all the facts and that your your own experiences are valid enough to to start taking action or to you know start a conversation with someone yes. about a topic and you can bring your own experience and that's totally valid. Yes, and, and everyone's yeah. is the same validity, right? Yeah. Like I almost I almost turned down when Climate Generation reached out about band together. I almost said no only because I was scared that I wasn't the right person for that role. And the reality is that who better to do that than someone who can give the perspective of of someone who doesn't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy that I fought that instinct and because I learned a lot from that experience. So it's good. Yeah. So thinking about the concert, you shared a little bit about a climate change story, which is about how you have been thinking about climate change recently. Can you share a little bit about what it was like for you to tell that story at a concert? (laughs) Yes. I can share that I was absolutely mortified. Um, (laughs) And I actually speak in public like I don't have a problem with that. And I'm obviously performing music is not a big deal. But the idea of giving almost like a speech kind of freaked me out and I also am a procrastinator with things like that so I'm like really you know god bless Josna who helped me held my hand um through kind of learning what my actual story was because I didn't in the beginning feel like I had one but I came to understand that my story is a lot of like what we just talked about that like I know um I know there's an issue I'm not informed at all um and I don't have the answers but I'm ready to recognize that I can't just be silent anymore. And so it's now my goal to like put myself out there and kind of force myself to learn um, and to listen and to hopefully take that knowledge and um, set intentions in my personal life and kind of like punch in. Um, And then, and that same message of like, you are not alone. Like if you are, you know, speaking to the audience, it's like, if you are feeling that way as well, like that is, exactly right and I think a lot of us feel that way but we're afraid to talk Mm -hmm. about it so just trying to like be vulnerable and in being vulnerable hopefully um, allow for that to feel comfortable I guess also like what a a beautiful like 
backstage moment because like every artist involved there's there had to have been 20 plus people mm-hmm. that were that shared that stage throughout the night and you know friendly with a ton of really good friends with a ton of them meeting new people too and so there's that camaraderie but also that like everyone's kind of scared shitless because everyone has to also tell their story and we're yeah. all like kind of comparing notes and <laughs> there was kind of this nervous energy um that was really like, humanizing and um and powerful to me and in a weird way it gave me strength again because I could see that I wasn't the only one who wasn't sure how it was going to go yeah so I think that anything you can do that brings a lot of people together is going to have that that effect where mm-hmm. it's like oh you, you know you're, you're getting energy from more people it's not like you just had one so we all got to learn from each other and get insight from each other and um like I have, I've known Abby Wolf for like over a decade I had no idea she grew up in you know, beautiful, small country and, and the, the way that her, she's seen that change over the years, like, mm-hmm. um, just little things like that. So I learned a lot, even just in that. Um, and that's what I thought was so beautiful about that. Yeah. that event. One thing that I really appreciate that we frame a lot of our work is that having conversations about climate change is so important because, um, even as you were talking about just having that like constant reminder of like hearing about it all the time. Yeah. Like, just becomes you become more aware and you you start to think of it then in your own life even if people aren't telling you things totally um, from outside and so inspiring people to have conversations about it but then also see ways that there are connections with their daily lives to climate solutions is super easy and really effective yeah um and making sure that people don't don't feel like they need they can't get engaged because they're not an expert totally um so i really appreciate that you shared that about joining band together is because i think that's real and yeah i feel that all totally you were talking about earlier how if you feel like someone is preaching to you about a certain thing, mm. you tend to like feel a little off put by that or yeah. lose interest. Um, and I think we've seen that a lot with the way that people talk about climate change in the media or just very scientific yeah. and facts and yes. figures and graphs and, you know, the, the chart that everyone so thinks about right. of, you know, CO2 emissions. Yeah. Is there a way that especially artists can help bring things like climate change into new conversations through mediums? Yeah, I mean, I think the big one is um, the touring lifestyle is so kind of like anti-green in general. Like even, and that goes for any level of of artists, right? Like if you're just a band starting out and hopping in a minivan Mm -hmm. um, and playing basement shows, or if you're a bit bigger and you're in a tour bus or, you know, God forbid you're huge and you're in a private jet or whatever, like, it's not really conducive to a green lifestyle. You know, our riders, you know, we probably go through two cases of plastic water bottles every night and those just get thrown away. And, you know, everything from the bad gas mileage and all that kind of stuff, like that's one that I'm really trying to force myself to think about because it's really easy. I don't want to be the guy that's like complaining about touring, but touring is pretty grueling. Mm -hmm. And so in the thick of it, Sometimes it's nice to just be like, oh, there's just a case of water there and there's a bunch of new socks for me to wear and things like that. These little comforts that you don't really get on the road. So I'm trying to just like retrain my brain to realize like, hey, we got to make a green rider. We got to do better. Those types of things where it's not all or nothing. Because again, that's the same thing where it's like then, then it really does make it hard if you're like setting all these ultimatums. But if you can find bridges to get over some of that stuff. Then it's then you starting to create like an actual culture or lifestyle that can grow as you get more used to things. Mm-hmm. 
kind of like saying this out loud to remind myself, I guess. But, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Especially artists, I think, in, you know, today have a really big social platform because of social yeah. media and yeah, yeah. like that. Do you think that artists have a responsibility to act? Oh, it's so hard. I, I talk to a lot of different people about this and I kind of am, I flip a little bit depending on the year, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't ever feel like I, someone should be forced to do anything they don't feel comfortable with. But I do think that if you're at a point where you feel even remotely comfortable shedding some light on the things you believe in, that you should feel empowered to shed that light. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be all the light at once. Um, But, like, I slowly have felt more empowered to, um, to talk about some of these things. And honestly, in making this Luther album plug which is you can hear on the podcast itself yeah, right and the bumpers so uh, oh yeah my pleasure <laughs> um in making this instrumental album that that was really inspired by my journey into meditation and mental health and and trying to like calm myself and my inner thoughts it was the first time i had made music that almost inadvertently led me to talk about the things outside of music that I was experiencing Mm. before it was like, Oh, you made a sick album. And then you tell people about what the lyrics are about or whatever. Like, Oh yeah, I made that beat and it's tight. And now we're on tour Mm -hmm. with this one. It was the first time where I was like, when they asked me what the story was, the story wasn't like, Oh, I was really inspired by like pianos and quiet music. The story was like, I jumped off the deep end into like an anxiety cave and slowly pulled myself back out through learning about a lot of things like meditation or gratitude or talking and sharing my feelings and realizing I'm not alone. And in that process, I was led to create this music, which felt like a reflection of the things that I learned. So now the conversation is about how can we be better to ourselves and each other instead of just like, what was your favorite song title or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And that really opened my eyes up to the fact that you can do both and with intention you can merge them without it feeling forced or fake or um, off-brand, if you want to use an industry term. And that just gave me so much more confidence. And also, plus side, the fact that people reacted to it positively was just a bigger confidence boost of like, oh, this is working. This is impacting people, allowing me to further conversation, allowing me to hear and listen to other people's input. And so, you know, five years ago, I wouldn't be able to just make a post that's like, hey, I, we all go through this stuff. Here's like the 10 things that have been helpful for me and list all the things that have worked for me. I wouldn't have been able to even kind of like break the silence of like, hey, I really struggle with stress and anxiety and depression and I don't have it all together. Um, but now I can. And after you say it, it's like ripping the Band-Aid off. Yeah. And people generally are going to react positively because guess what? Everyone feels those things. I'm going on a long-winded thing. But yes, I feel like, no, it's not everybody's responsibility to feel forced to talk about these things. But all I can do is just, like, send my love and support to anyone who's even remotely questioning that stuff mm-hmm. or feels, like, at a, at a point where they're not sure if they should step out. I think it's all in the tone and the approach. But I've learned that if you lead with vulnerability and you present your experience without overgeneralizing everybody's experience. In my experience, 95% of the time, that is met with warmth and love and openness and um, all only good things. Absolutely. Um, so I'm here to say, like, do it yeah. if you feel even an inkling of, of that. Totally. Um, just like everything else, don't be a dick about it. And, yeah, 
Don't be a dick about yeah. it. <laughs> That's kind of the, <laughs> the motto, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think coming from your own experience and leading with you know, what you personally feel, no one can say, oh, oh, that's invalid or yes. you don't feel that way because you know you do. Yeah. And, and it's, and you make it personal. They can't, it's the same like talking. Oh my God. I've been through a lot of marriage counseling, um, positive marriage counseling. I'm a big proponent of any type of counseling, mm-hmm. but even just learning the, like I feel or like only speaking about not, not being like, you did this and you blah, blah, blah. But like when you said that it made me feel this has been such an eye opener. And so it's all about how we're positioning the conversation for me. And obviously it's gonna be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. For me, that has allowed me to feel strength in being vulnerable and recognize that I can't really be hurt by other people that don't fuck with that, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I haven't made it about anybody else. All I've done is shared and you can't really fault anyone for sharing their feelings, true feelings. Yeah. Maybe you can. Maybe some people can, but I don't. Yeah. I think it's, you know, to bring it back to climate change. Yeah, so let's bring it back. Sorry, um, yeah, we go, I talk about all this stuff forever. With you. No, I think that's so, I think that's so important <laughs> and, and finding ways to, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not in a science class or I'm not in yes. a, a very sciencey setting. So like climate change isn't relevant. And I think bringing in things like mental health and mindfulness it's like this is a big deal and it's okay to like have feelings about it yes care and feel emotional and totally um, and i think i also thought with climate change i tended to lump it into this is gonna sound uh mean or bad but like i lump a lot of things into like class so the cause of like saving the dolphins or you know giving to the humane society for dogs I oftentimes have felt cynical because it feels like there's so many problems with human beings in our country and a huge um, issues with race and poverty and things like that where I'm like, I don't really want to talk about how we need to like save the cats that are in the alley or whatever. I'm getting very overgeneralized here. But I've lumped climate change into that almost as like a, a talking point that it seemed like mostly rich white liberals would talk about. And so in a way, I turned myself from that as more of someone who was like felt more in the trenches fighting for people uh, when the reality is that climate change is like the biggest cause for people ever because we're all affected by it. Mm -hmm. So I needed to kind of retweak the way I was perceiving it from almost like a cultural perspective, I think. Um, I think I'm still working on that because I do have an instinct of being like, well, that just feels, you know when you're really poor, you don't have the capacity to think about these things or the connections or the relationships or the money to do anything that can change things. And you also are probably living in a part of the country where you can't even get the green stuff. You know what I mean? Like the, the food or what do they call that? The grocery deserts and things like that. Like food deserts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, there's just corner stores and fucking garbage everywhere. Um, I think that's, like, where we also can, like, reframe what we, how we think about climate change. Like, understanding that climate justice is housing justice. Climate justice is food justice. Climate justice is racial justice. And I think um, that's also where, like, it's so important, I think, to have, you know, a diversity of people's stories that are being heard. Because we, for a long time, have had that, you know, single narrative. Um, And so it's so important to make sure that people's personal stories are really being brought into yeah, this. Yeah, totally. So. And uh, yeah, that's that definitely moves me the most. So, One thing I'm really curious about is like the spark that 
music in particular can really provide for social movements or just like a spark for creating change. Yes. Has there been music that has sparked, you mm, know, sparked sure. something for you or really inspired yeah. you know, a song or... I mean, oh man, I don't know about like a particular song necessarily, but like throughout my life, it's been, well, and I'll say specifically with, with hip hop and rap music, that was a, a portal for me as like a, you know, kind of lower middle class white kid that grew up 15 minutes outside the city in the suburbs. Like that was, as I got more into it, a portal into the lives of people that I wasn't surrounded by for the most part. And that I learned so much just through listening to music about the struggle of non-whites and, um, you know, things that actually go on that I would be clueless to because I was sheltered from it. That taught me about anything from, you know, racial sensitivity to um, poverty to whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then through that, it, it also inspired me to be a part of that music, which allowed me to be a part of a culture and a part of a community that I wasn't necessarily in tune with at like age eight in Hopkins, Minnesota. Um, and I'm just so thankful that music has been the thing that has been able to allow me to, to exist in, in other people's cultures and circles um, as, a, as a guest and to be accepted and embraced and, and feel like a part of a true community. That was music that did that. Uh, and there's other ways to find that. But for me, there was a pretty built path that allowed me that grace and I'll never take that for granted so yeah man it's powerful shit yeah <laughs> you yeah. know um, I don't know uh, yeah. I can't remember what the original question was but yeah oh yeah there wasn't like a particular song yeah but even like um, you know honestly there there was there was when Amadou Diallo was shot um, by police in New York I mean this is back in I don't know late 90s or early 2000s there was a you know, it's big deal. And there was a song, I can't remember what it was called, but a bunch of rappers got on it in New York and they all had verses and they talked about it. And that like, that opened my mind. I learned about that issue. Um, and I learned that wasn't an isolated event. And then I learned about police brutality. And then I learned about like certain laws that are in effect that are created to bring certain uh, people down and blah, blah, blah. And that like, that all came off of this one song that sounded tight that I learned the words to. Um, you know, I liked, I really liked this Common album when I was in high school and he had a song called The Song for Asada, which is about Asada Shakur. And through that one song, which basically told her history, I went out and I bought her autobiography and I learned about her struggle and, and her time through the system and in prison and escaping. And, you know, that was just because I liked an album and the particular song sounded cool. Yeah. So that's the type of, of power I think that music has. And I'm... I'm at a loss to find a lot of other things that could so like quickly and easily grab you without you even knowing it. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I really like about it. Yeah. You kind of like get, you get hooked before you even know what's happening. Yeah. And then you're just like learning. Yeah. I, that just made me think of something that we were talking about in the office as, you know, non-musical people yeah, here. Sure, sure. Um, we're like, do you ever just get like chills from listening to a song mm, or something? Or like, you oh my know, God. feel it like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Body? and I, that's so like visceral and yes. I, there's not that many things can make you feel that way. And I, I think it's so is. powerful. And, yeah. It's insane. Um, I know that there's probably, there's definitely obviously scientific proof of what that is, but whatever it is, it is the wildest sensation where you're just like, oh my God. Or when you're like at a show and the bass hits just right and you like feel it in your heart or whatever, you're just like, what the hell's going on? 
Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. We're recording this in 2019. We're about yes. to hit 2020. Yes, we are. Um, and you know, scientific evidence is saying that we have until 2030 to make really significant change on climate change. That's like a transformation point. Okay. And thinking about a new decade, one coming to a close and a new one starting, what what does the future look like in the next 10 years for you? Oh, for me? Yeah. Oh, good one. I was like, oh, God, I don't know what it's <laughs> going to really look like. It's going to yeah. be really fucked up. Uh, for me, I think... So I'm getting old. I'm 37. I'm getting older. I mean, God, in 10 years, like, my kids, like, you know, my daughter will be almost graduating. Like, that is wild. And, you know, every 10 years goes by, and you're like, wow. And now I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on my 30s for the first time as I kind of am going to be entering my 40s. And I think I'm just kind of taking stock, recognizing I'm finally at an age where, like, you know, knock on wood, but, like, I think I've got another half of... I've had another 37 years in me, I think. Lord willing. And so, but also recognizing, like, the joy that these first 37 years have been. And, like, I get really easily nostalgic and emotional and sentimental every day that I get older. But just recognizing, like, the journey and taking that in and hoping that that can inform this next 10 years is kind of where my head's at right now. And a lot of that has to do with speaking out more um, and feeling like an adult and not like a kid and feeling the power that I have and recognizing the privilege that I have and recognizing the platform that I have um, and being mindful that it would be a waste to, to not use those tools. And I also think it's going to be filled with awesome times and cool HBO shows yes. and uh, <laughs> more albums and, and working with artists and, and I'm excited and I think there'll be all sorts of uh, you know, stuff that none of us can predict. And so that's me, like, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I was always a person that always wanted to be older. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh. When I was in first grade, I was like, oh, I want to be, like, a sixth grader. When I was in sixth grade, I was like, oh, I want to be, like, a high schooler. And I hit my, like, mid-30s, and I was like... So I never really felt comfortable in my own skin, if that makes any sense. I felt like, oh, I was just always waiting for something. And I got into my 30s, and I was like, this is it. This is what it feels like to just be, like this is me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there were a lot of factors of that, but I'm really into it. And so I'm not scared of getting older anymore. I'm like, Oh no, this is me. I've got this. So now let's like, it's like when you learn a new skill, a new skill and then you kind of get it down mm-hmm. and now like, okay, now let's just f-ing do this. Like yeah, I got this. Let's go. uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so that's what I think it looks like for, for me and my people. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for a new decade. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be good. But yes, also equally, there are many things that need to be <laughs> sorted in the next 10 years because yeah. we don't have a whole lot of time. Yeah. Well, you talked a little bit about, you know, using your platform and speaking out more. What do you, what do you see as your role in mm. making a future that you want to see? Yeah. Well, I think it is continuing to speak out and, and feel empowered to speak out more. I think it's, uh, really challenging myself to do the research and not tune out because it's really easy to tune out. It's really easy to tune out of social media. It's really easy to tune out of just news in general. And I think I'm kind of, I need to challenge myself to stay in it and also recognize, like we talked about earlier, the times where you got to clock out and take care of yourself for a night or whatever. But finding that sweet spot so that you don't disappear and you don't overdo it is a really big one for me. And I think, um, you know, just continuing to try new things because that just expands the reach, you know, not just being someone who creates music, but being someone that manages artists or being someone that runs a label or that, that, that 
automatically the Rolodex expands, the reach expands, the different people I can talk to, the different interviews I can do, like all of that gets bigger and better when I say yes to a lot of things that aren't necessarily totally connected to music. So continuing to say yes, except when I've said yes too many times and then yeah. say no <laughs> for my own health. Mm-hmm. I think those are the big ones for me. And then actually implementing, not just talking, but actually putting in the work to do and in my own life. That's going to be the only way that I'm going to be able to talk about it anyways is through my experience. So really like pushing myself to change is the hope. Saying it out loud is a, a big part of that for me. Yeah. So even just kind of like saying it in a public space forces me to take it seriously mm-hmm. and that's helpful for me this has been awesome yeah well is there um is there anything that you're working on right now that you want to share with us yeah totally totally i so i'm uh well doomtree.net is kind of the landing spot for anything that i'm doing or anyone in the crew doomtree is doing um and you can find me on social media i'm at laserbeak with the hip-hop z on Instagram, it's at underscore laserbeak underscore on Twitter because somebody has my handle. Um, some Transformers fan, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, I am. I'm working on a bunch of stuff that I'm really excited about. So I'm working on um, this house music project called Nightstone that's going to be releasing new music next year, which is me and this producer, Ice Tap. And so it's my first chance to make like kind of dance electronic music ever. And I'm, it's been really fun. I'm working really closely with Sophia Aris, who is, um, she's Lizzo's DJ and hype woman, Mm -hmm. but also a solo artist in her own right. Her and myself and this other producer, Bionic, are working on a ton of new music. Shredders is like my band and an offshoot of Doomtree. We've always got a new record and we just got off tour. I've got picked up the guitar again. My dad's acoustic guitar and I started writing songs with my best friend since junior high that I was in that first band with. Mm-hmm. So we're going to put out just some like old dad acoustic guitar rock <laughs> stuff. So I'm just like this 2020 for me is like kind of again, the year of the side project and just like yeah. scratching the itch and making whatever feels good. So it's fun to make like, you know, a rap banger for the club and then a really quiet acoustic guitar song. And then, house music and then I just finished the writing the songs for my next solo album which I'm calling Penelope Luther was the name of my son so I'm going to do a trilogy of like nice. chill meditative albums so Penelope will come out in 2020 as well and hopefully that will allow me to continue all this talk about things that are bigger than music so awesome well thank you so oh much oh my god yeah of course oh uh, my pleasure I feel good yeah we you kicked it off. Yeah. It can only go up from here. You're going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you have uh, no episodes. So yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. I had the chance to catch up with Climate Generations Director of Programs, Kristen Poppleton. She is our go-to person for all things. She develops a vision for and provides strategic coordination, oversight, and support for all of Climate Generations programs, focusing on youth, policy, educator, and influential engagement. She's a maker of deadlines, a giver of donuts, and has a lot of experience advising on actions that people can take to get engaged in solutions to climate change. So this is a podcast about climate change and music and the power of music and storytelling. Yeah. Are there, have there been any artists or songs recently that you have felt inspired by? I, so I love thinking about this connection between climate change and art and music because, uh, what we know is that climate change can't just be this cerebral thing. It has to make you feel something. 
And I tend to be a more cerebral person. So the first time I personally really started thinking about this, that connection, um, was when I was in Paris at the UN Climate Negotiations. I had this opportunity to go see this panel of speakers, and I didn't know very much about it other than Robert Redford was, like, the moderator of it. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And on this, these speakers were all Native folks from communities around the world telling their story. And Kathy Jetnell Kitchener was one of them. And it's the first time I'd ever heard her. And she's this amazing spoken word artist. And listening to her speak, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so much more powerful than me listening to a climate change presentation with numbers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we have to do more work that's like focused around this kind of story. Mm -hmm. So Kathy Jetnell Kitchener, in the last year, I think it's the last two years, came out with a piece that was between her and another uh, woman from Greenland called Rise. Rise, yep, called Rise. And so that's something that I find really powerful. It's about two Native people who are talking about um, the sea level rise and the impact on their community and also how they're doing so much and no one's listening and Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful so that um i also this last year 1975 did this the 1975 right Mm -hmm. did this piece with greta thunberg speaking over it and it's like it's so crazy because her voice is you know tends to be very flat but like over it with that music in the background it just makes you go like oh oh my god so if people are coming to the climate movement and they haven't are not familiar with this space and are, are wondering, how can I take that next step beyond stopping using plastic straws? Or how can I take that next mm-hmm. step to really have an impact and feel that your actions are having an impact? What are some of the things that are really timely that people can take that will have that impact? So when I think about a really nice and concise way of describing what we can do to take action. Mm -hmm. Something that I've been using a lot lately and as an organization raising to kind of frame up the next couple, nine months or so is for people to really think about how they can use their voice, how they can use their choice and how they can use their vote. Your voice is really thinking about what is my stake in the ground? What is my story? Why is this important to me? And what can I share with other people Mm -hmm. to make them move to action? And that can come in the form of actually speaking just to your family or your neighbors and telling them that this is really important and why it is to writing that down and using your voice through the pen um, and writing an op-ed or writing a letter to the editor or writing a letter to your legislator or your governor or your mayor. So um, that's what I think about, I, I think, with voice, with choice. We know that individual choices alone, like you said, like plastic straws, that's awesome. Don't use them. But Um, We need to be thinking on a much grander scale. And so how can you take the individual choices that you're making and scale them up to more collective and action? And so thinking, I mean, a really sort of one simple example would be, you know, you've made a decision that um, you are going to change all the light bulbs in your house and make sure that that's that you're that you're using those that are most energy efficient well if you're a member of a church if you work at a school if you work at a business well let's how do we scale it up to a much grander scale how do you if you're making buying and consumer decisions well how can you have um 
and as a neighborhood make a decision to maybe buy in bulk together or something. So how can we scale up those choices that we're making? And then vote, well, that's pretty obvious. How can you make uh, your vote count and how can you be a climate friendly voter? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that I would add to is to be aware of the fact that your vo- voting for the president is obviously super important, but there's all sorts of really important local level positions that have these significant impacts on your community where there is a lot of potential for action. So looking at uh, your conservation board, um, looking at your just city council members or your school board members, are they, is your school board like making resolutions to teach about climate change? Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are all super important too. So voice, choice, vote. Great. There you go. Simple. Simple. Easy to remember. Take it away. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One last question is what, what gives you hope? working in this movement? Oh, hope. Well, I am super blessed to work for an organization that is uh, really positive and solutions focused when we talk about this issue deliberately and with an office full of people that come to work every day optimistic and like ready to dig in. That is, I think, irreplaceable. I mean, a silly thing, it gives me hope, honestly, when it, we're based in Minnesota, when it snows. <laughs> I love snow. I love winter. Mm-hmm. And when I see a season happening, uh, the seasons are my favorite thing. And winter being the best one, of course. But <laughs> um, when it snows and when there's a season happening. So, yeah. Before we close out each episode, we want to challenge you with an action of the month so that we not only speak our truth, but we live it in practice. Drawing from Laserbeak's story, your challenge this month is to tell your own climate story, whether it's to a friend, a family member, a politician, or even a room full of strangers. For support in finding your climate story, visit our website at bandtogethermn.org. And tag us in your actions. If you write or tell your climate change story, we'd love to hear from you. Tag us or use the hashtag bandtogether to take part in a collective action movement. That's all for today. Special thanks to Laserbeak for joining us on our podcast and Kristen for sharing her words of wisdom with us. This podcast is produced by Climate Generation, a Will Steger legacy, with music by Laserbeak. For more information, visit our website at bandtogethermn.org and subscribe to Band Together on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at BeTogetherPod on Instagram and Twitter. And finally, we'd love to hear from you. Who do you think we should feature on this podcast? Jumping off from our first episode, there are so many directions that we're excited to explore, but we want to hear from our listeners as well. Send us your ideas at bandtogether at climategen.org. Catch you next month, and thanks for listening to Band Together.